0: From the Rio in Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Market Scale at InterDrone, where we're interviewing some of the most innovative names in drone technology. From cinematography to surveying to search and rescue, InterDrone has it all. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Today we're joined by Adam Schlender, senior associate at DuSon.
1: Adam how are you doing today? I'm doing great thanks for having me. Did you have a great first day at InterDrone? We had a great first day at InterDrone. It was really uh, it was really exciting to see the response um, you know from from this particular audience you know it, it it takes a lot to kind of poke through at a, at a show like like this and uh, I think people are really into uh, the idea of an endurance multi-rotor.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, the technology that I saw here has really blown me away, and I'm getting blown away right now by that beautiful sound of a drone motor. We are at a drone <laughs> show on the trade show floor, but I'm excited to dive into Doosan's technology and what you are bringing to the table, whether that is um, you know from an energy perspective, or just affecting the entire drone space in general. So, first I'd like to know, could you walk me through Doosan's entrance into the drone space? Because I know Doosan isn't just a drone company. Uh, they've been around for a long time and have their hands in a lot of different industries.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Doosan is a 120-year-old company based in South Korea. Uh, they're actually a Fortune 500 company uh, that, that both uh, builds, owns, maintains infrastructure projects, and produces and sells uh, equipment to support those projects. So, uh, Bobcat is a, a brand that most people are pretty familiar with. Yeah. Um, if you you know drive past a construction site, you'll probably start uh, noticing the Doosan brand if you're not already familiar with it. You mm-hmm. know, basically every kind of like heavy machinery uh, involved in uh, building things in the world. Right. And uh, s- specifically, also have a half a billion dollar fuel cell business, um, which to date has been a larger format. and is designed for kind of on-site, uh, power uh, generation and, and, and storage. So that fuel cell technology and their own internal need for their, uh, you know, sort of large projects uh, kind of highlighted a, an opportunity and, and also an internal need. So An internal need for, uh, you know, a, to be able to move a sensor in the X, Y, and Z axis like only a multi-rotor can do, uh, but with an extremely long flight time, right? Yeah. So they adapted uh, their existing fuel cell technology into the uh, DP20 power pack. So the DP twenty power pack can extend you know multi rotor heavy lift drones uh, to flight times of two to three hours, which is uh, you know sort of in- incredibly powerful and a game changer, both disruptive to the fixed wing market and use cases, but also just doing things that you couldn't conceive of, you couldn't possibly do before because there's never been a multi rotor that could fly for that long. Right, and why did they see this space
0: as? you know, a prime area to bring that technology into? You know, what, what sort of drew them to, hey, let's adapt this technology we already have, we've already perfected, and bring it into drones?
1: Absolutely. It's an internal need for them, um, you know, for a duration multi-rotor, for their own uh, internal uh, projects and operations. And, uh, you know, it's also an exercise in, you know, miniaturizing their larger format technology. And, you know, drones are just something that is flashy and kind of in people's consciousness. So it's an opportunity to to build a brand uh, around their fuel cell technology, uh, you know, with with something that's exciting to people. Definitely. Well, and it's great that, I mean, even though
0: it is sort of a flashy technology, it is affecting so many industries in such positive ways. And I think technology like this is really going to help propel, you know, pun intended, sort of. Um, oh, there's that fan again. <laughs> it's going to help propel um, drones to the next level, uh, to higher altitudes, and both literally and figuratively. So let's dive into a little bit of compacting this technology. <clears throat> How did Doosan manage to take this fuel cell technology and make it both light and compact and easy to attach to drones for commercial uses.
1: Absolutely. So in, in the market, there's hydrogen fuel cells being used on small, compact equipment, you know, forklifts and, and things along the lines of uh, Bobcat. So that's sort of already driven the, the miniaturization of it. Uh, today, you know, the, the unit is fairly large and we're, we're talking about, you know, fairly large uh, heavy lift sort of drones, which is great for a lot of the industrial use cases. Um, you know, in, into the future, could you miniaturize that and have a smaller unit that you know, is achieving an hour of flight time, 90 minute flight time, You know that'll, that'll be something that the market will help determine over time. Definitely. So I want to dive into some
0: of the main things that I think this fuel cell technology can bring to the table, which is expand the number of applications, some economical and ecological benefits, and then also just overall efficiency. So I'd like to dive into each one of those. Let's start with the number <laughs> of applications. So, Let's say a drone is being applied for commercial usage, and now it has fuel cell technology powering it. What kind of applications are now available, you know, have become, that were previously inaccessible, are now accessible, and not only can they perform them, but perform them well?
1: Absolutely. So. Uh, You know, a multi-rotor, unlike a a fixed-wing plane, um, can hold its position in space. It can kind of operate on the the Z-axis. So, you know, large infrastructure projects like dams and bridges and things that have a, a lot of Facade surface area uh, that previously you know only could have been captured at a distance, um, kind of from a, a oblique angle. Yeah. Now we can get right up close to those things and, and uh, uh, you know scan or digitize the entire asset all in one flight. Uh, so there's some some completely novel things that just. You know, could have been done with a multi-order in the past, but just for a variety of reasons, we wouldn't have attempted it um, because it would have been you know multiple multiple days of, of of piecemeal of you know 15 20 minute flights at a time, right? right? So so it really kind of opens up those use cases. Um, you know, things that also traditionally would have been reserved for a fixed wing plane like uh, transmission line inspection, uh, pipeline inspection, uh, near offshore oil rigs, right? You know, where it might take 45 minutes just to fly out to and then you need to spend another 30 or 45 minutes there and then come back to something that just wouldn't have been feasible to, to accomplish otherwise. Anything that's like long linear or large area, it really brings multi-rotors to like long linear inspections and uh, you know surveying large areas in general in a way that they just couldn't address it before.
0: Right. Well, I mean, it sounds like not only is it empowering the drone applications that already existed but is launching drones into applications that they couldn't access before.
1: Right, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, one of the really powerful things so I mentioned, you know, that we're talking about a twenty to thirty minute flight time becoming a two to three hour flight time. If you're really talking about you know enterprise level, like where we're fully adopting a drone solution, we're digitizing all of our assets at you know the, the frequency that is, is valuable. Um, you know, we're capturing tons of data. We have a, like a full blown drone program. The, the The biggest cost driver is the the human in the loop, right? Which is kind of silly because you have this incredibly advanced, completely autonomous flying robot, and you're, you're paying for a person to just stand there in the, uh, you know, very rare instance that, you know, they need to intervene because the, right. uh, the autonomy isn't functioning properly, right? right? Um, so, you know, if you, you take a 30 to 20 minute flight time, anybody who's, you know, spent much time flying drones, you know that if it's advertised as 30 minutes, it's actually more like 25 in the first place, <laughs> yeah. and, and you would never fly it right down to the last bit of battery power anyway. So really it, you're looking at like 15 to 20 minutes. Right, yeah, of, of flight time, and then and then you have to consider that the amount of time that you're spending getting to position and the time they're coming back. So you're looking at like 10 to 15 minutes of actual data collection in right. one given flight. And then you have you know human effort and labor and swapping the batteries and charging batteries, all these sort of things on either side of that, right? It, it almost makes it an inconvenience to use a drone. Right. So, so you know, so it, actually, what you end up with with the two to the hour flight time is you end up in like a ten x efficiency gain. Right. Not not looking at flight time, but looking at the amount of data that can be collected in a single flight. Right. So right. so that takes for you know large serving. You know, a lot of these. Um, these are large area proje- projects. It takes, you know, what would it be two to three days, you know, maybe even three to four days, where lighting conditions are changing and weather conditions are changing, of you know, human labor to kind of piecemeal uh, the data collection out of these individual short flights. Now that can be one operator done in a morning or an afternoon uh, with the hydrogen fuel cell technology. So I think it's really, it's really powerful and like, uh, you know, it can really kind of reduce the uh, the biggest cost driver in operations, which is the the human in the loop. Right. And just
0: the, the, the literal time it takes to make sure everything gets completed.
1: Exactly right. So of course, like disaster response use cases, instead of having a team of people uh, flying small multi rotors or a fixed wing, um, you could you know canvas a very large area uh, in, one, in one mission
0: right. Which is, I mean, could literally save lives. Exactly right. Right,
1: and the, also the benefit of multiple payloads at one time. So there's sort of the other X factor of being able to have, you know, maybe thermal and RGB or an optical zoom and uh, you know multispectral camera, depending on the use case. So and
0: and a typical battery wouldn't be able to power those multiple payloads. That really comes most uh, efficiently and effectively from technology like this.
1: Uh, specifically, uh, you know, in comparison to a fixed wing, right? So you can have you can have multiple gimbaled payloads. Yeah. In the air for a very long time, you know, kind of accessing a very large area, um, as opposed to having to kind of, you know, swap out sensors and make two maps, you know, and basically fly two missions to get the, you know, maps with a different sensor package on it. Right.
0: So the next thing I want to dive into is the economical and ecological benefits mm-hmm. of technology like this. So, how do you see fuel cell technology in drones not only cutting down on costs and increasing revenue on the front end? like immediately as it's applied but then also in the long run you know some of those some of those um bigger picture savings that um you know kind of accrue over time
1: absolutely um you know in the in the near term like we we're saying for like a true you know enterprise level like drone you know aerial data program depending on exactly how much data you're you're collecting uh you know the just the 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 labor the labor savings pays for the unit in three to six months, it's kind of depending on, you know, how much data you're capturing, how frequently, right? Right. Um, so that, that's a that's a huge uh, a value driver in, in that respect. In the long term, and really what, where this technology becomes, you know, deeply interesting, I think it applies to both drones and, you know, hydrogen fuel cells, is, you know, in the, the, the coming, you know, year, two years, when we enter the beyond visual line of sight world, um, and you enter a sort of a, a full autonomous, fully autonomous, uh, you know, sort of, uh, instead of the pilot on site, it's you know a pilot in a command center monitoring, monitoring multiple systems, uh, flying at at one time. You know, kind of the commodification of the operations cost. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of the, the cost per megabyte of, of the the data. <laughs> right. right? Um, you know, that's what's going to be, I think, truly transformational to a lot of businesses. And hydrogen fuel cells enable uh, you know that world. Uh, with multi rotors that just you really can uh, accomplish with uh, for a lot of use cases with with batteries. Right, and then from an ecological standpoint too,
0: cutting down on battery usage and gasoline, like literal fuel usage. I'm sure as drones become more ubiquitous yep. and we get more regulations encouraging drones on a just a standard level where they're integrated yep. into the airspace. You want to make sure that they aren't contributing to a lot of the pollution that we're already trying to deal with right
1: absolutely right so you know just from a from an operation standpoint the the only byproduct of this this process is a, a fine water vapor that's kind of emitted out of an exhaust vent you know um, there's there's no moving parts on the system so uh, it's just a hydrogen tank and in, in sort of these in, inert uh, fuel cells. Mm-hmm. So you know we were looking at like a thousand or so flights before the fuel cells need to be replaced, right? So the operations and just the the waste that's generated is significantly less, which in in the world of of lithium uh, batteries, right. um, you're you know you're having to you know having to you know by whatever means you're generating energy to a charge these batteries over and over and over again. Uh, their shelf life is. Uh, short, just the the way that the models uh, evolve um, so rapidly. You know, today, uh, you know, you're even if you're, you're probably not even getting to the end of the life cycle of the battery, which is you know like ten percent of what you would get out of a hydrogen sure. fuel cell, and you're just throwing those in the trash every eighteen months. Right. right. So that's sort of like a, you know. Uh, uh, economic factor that I think is probably the most uh, unsettling that just applies to a lot of lect- battery-powered electronics is to become obsolete.
0: Right. Well, then also, you know, trying to dispose of that battery correctly, you know, just tossing it in the trash typically isn't the correct way to dispose of, right. of, of a battery. And right. and maybe a lot of people don't know that. I mean, I, I, I'd say if, if you're dealing with them on a consistent basis, maybe you do, but you can't you know you can't be too certain i mean they're probably getting tossed in the trash and then launched into the landfill and and that isn't very good for the environment Correct. yeah right.
1: absolutely right you know hydrogen hydrogen is the, the most abundant element right uh, in the universe is easy <laughs> and uh yeah so it's it's easy to it be manufactured anywhere and it's um you know it's not it's not changing right? right you know the uh the fuel cell form factor may get ever more efficient you know might be able to you know get more out of out of less but you know it's a it's a, a very sort of like stable stable technology.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then, we sort of already touched on this, but on the efficiency side of things, I mean, you sort of already mentioned that with this technology, actual actual operations and site mapping or search and rescue, I mean, the whole process is gonna be more efficient. But can can you dive into some ways that um, businesses or drone pilots might be able to see this efficiency from the get-go, and how do you think um, a drone pilot who now has fuel cell technology at their disposal is going to be able to just be more efficient with their projects i mean do you think it's going to take some adjusting to to realize wow look at all this great new stuff i can do with hydrogen fuel cells do you think there's going to be sort of a a lapse in time there or do you think it's going to be pretty immediate
1: yeah i mean i think you know so it's basically like the ultimate vtol drone because it like it actually like has all the capabilities of a of a multi-rotor from takeoff to, to landing right but it can just fly for a very very long time right so you know, I think for a lot of these, you know, large area, long linear uh, mapping and surveying applications, you know, folks that are experienced with multi-rotors, it's it's literally the same experience. It's the, right. it's the same apps. You know, uh, you could you could we uh, can deliver to you with a, sort of the full DJI stack or PX4 stack. So all the interfaces and you know mission planning software, et cetera, that you're completely comfortable with with any other multi-rotor, right. um, now there just happens to be a different propulsion system on top of it that is better for the environment and right. greatly increases the flight time.
0: Right, so basically they're going to just see the same product, but it's going to be able to do so much more. Exactly yeah. right. Love it. So, next thing I wanted to hit on is why do you think it's taken a bit for drone technology to adopt fuel cells versus batteries? Why wasn't that the standard from the get-go? And then, in part with that question, how and when do you see this becoming a standard, all drones being powered by hydrogen fuel cells?
1: As the regulations allow and as the market matures over the next couple years, you know, I really see there being a sort of like a data collection automation grid, yeah. you know, there's just, there just everything becomes uh, much more standardized. There'll be a lot of, you know, kind of coalescing and solidifying in the, in the, the market. Right. And there'll be some, you know, there'll be a standard tool for a standard job and everybody will kind of be getting their data that way. And the focus will be, you know, the focus on the operations and how the data is being captured and collected will be optimized at a like universal scale across multiple customers. Yeah. Um, as opposed to everyone building their own, kind of piecemealing their own drone program and a drone solution, right? So I think that uh, you know, hydrogen fuel cell technology makes a ton, and it's kind of coming back to the first break question. Mm-hmm. Hydrogen fuel cell technology makes a ton of sense for industry approaching it from that sort of level, right? And uh, there already is the hydrogen fuel cell distribution network in in place that allows us to, uh, on to you know deliver uh, fuel to, to customers, you know, in, in a very efficient and cost effective way, um, which makes doesn't make as much sense for a million uh you know camera drone hobbyist folks right, right. like the, uh, the the logistics of that are you know complicated and bur- burdensome in that use case in that scenario but in the world of uh you know kind of the industrial commercial world it's actually removing removing friction from not having to buy manage maintain batteries the fuel so- this fuel source just sort of shows up on at your location or on site right um and and then also of course that you know just cost driver kind of coming from this like DIY world where you're building small little aircraft maybe putting a sensor on it in your garage yeah. like that's kind of how we got to there with batteries I think
0: yeah right and and now it's kind of backtracking a little bit and realizing okay maybe this isn't the best method for powering these right. drones
1: yeah yeah like what you know it's like we we've spent for a amount of time like okay well what is a world where there's you know, these are just invisible, like the the drone is no longer sexy. It's just this invisible right. tool that's like adding value to the economy and, uh, you know, the, the quality of life of humans in some way It right. you know, is otherwise completely invisible. You know, what does a million autonomous missions a day look like? Like right. how is that system going to work, right? right. Who's going to be the consumer of that data? What hardware is going to be used? What are You know, th- these are all sort of the, the questions that, you know, Doosan is, is unique in being a you know a company of its size focused on you know industrial equipment and you know products and services right uh you know so it's like they're in this for the the long game right like you know they're they're thinking about okay what are we doing today that is you know gonna kind of intersect with our you know entire roadmap as a company you know five ten years from now right and they're you know not you know they're not entering into this space without having like done vetting over, you know, the previous 10, 15 years, making right. a, a firm commitment, you know, to start developing this technology a couple years ago and, you know, bring it to market in a way that, you know, is going to be as kind of, you know, uh, purpose built, reliable um, as, you know, a, a bobcat or a forklift as opposed to, you know, frankly, you know, a lot of things in the drone space like, it may not be around in a couple years, right. right? Like, you know, it may, it may run out of funding. There might not be the commitment from the investors to actually like bring the thing to, to fruition, to man, you know, invest in like wor- the world-class manufacturer of right. thousands of units and support them properly. Um, so I think it'll be, uh, you know, I, I feel fairly confident that, you know, Doosan will kind of pioneer this, this, this space because, you know, they're a, they're a technology company that builds things for industry. Um, not a, uh, a drone company that's trying to find a, a nail for their hammer, right?
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. They're they sort of already had the infrastructure and are now right. using that to their advantage to bring something that isn't a maybe. It's going to become a standard, which right? Is and exciting. they're solving their own problem, right? right? So they're their own
1: customers, right? So, um, you know, it's I think I'm, unique I'm, in the space,
0: right? I'm sure that. I mean, that is the best motivator, right? Like, how am I going to solve my own problems? And right. then, wow, this is helping me now. Let's help other people solve their problems as well. Yeah, exactly right. I love that. Well Adam I want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and diving into the power for tomorrow that Doosan is bringing to drones. I mean just from discussing it more with you it really feels like this is going to become a technology that hopefully becomes standard. I mean if not from just a price saving point and from an efficiency point from an ecological perspective even. I mean let's yeah. let's look to all the benefits and the and the positives that something like hydrogen fuel cell technology in drones can bring, um, especially as we start having these conversations. Like the main conversation we had at the opening keynote yesterday was, how can we all work together with the FAA to yeah. make drones ubiquitous? Right. Well, it's like okay, as we're having that conversation, how can we also ensure that what we're using to power these drones is right. is safe, efficient, um, and will get the job done in a in a timely manner, in an yeah. economical manner, ecological manner?
1: Totally. And you know, just one final point on that, it's like you know, hydrogen fuel cells on drones versus basically any other method. Right. It, it isn't going to reverse climate change, right? Right. But it is... It it's, is it's not going to add, that's it, right, for sure. Exactly, <laughs> but it is like a new technology where we can just kind of like make a, like set a precedent. It's like, okay, things where we are designing from scratch, let's do it in the most environmentally friendly way we possibly can. Right. right? Um, and I, I think that's, that can be a powerful statement.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, something that can resonate from beyond just drones. Absolutely. I love it. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us, Adam. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Yeah. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And be sure to follow marketscale.com for more updates from InterDrone at Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.